Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? This is your favorite instructor, Ryan Bradshaw, and this is Principles of Management. And we are on our final week and our final chapter. This is uh, discussing chapter 16, which talks about managerial communications. Uh, A lot of good content for this chapter, but before we jump into that, let's talk about other things that are happening. Um, You've probably heard me talk at length about uh, graduation, and we are going to have a graduation celebration for those of you that are graduating on the 12th. There was an email that was sent out about that, so if that applies to you, check out that email and uh, learn how we're going to do some celebrating, even though uh, we're not. this is not going to be the official graduation ceremony. I mean, it's going to be official celebration, but we're just doing this kind of as a placeholder. Um, additionally, you've probably heard me talk at length about registration. Um, We are still registering students for summer semester, and um, I do encourage you to take summer classes, but if you're not, at least contact your advisor to let them know where you stand and let them know um, what your plans are for fall. So, because you may or may not know this, but we're accountable for our advisees, and we need to be able to report um, what these, what you individual students are doing with regards to uh, degree progression, what they're doing with regards to registration status. Um, and so when you are assigned an advisor, that advisor is responsible for you. And so we spend time trying to track down students to find out, you know, what they're doing and how they're doing and that kind of stuff. So um, other things that are going on, I guess, um, we can talk about current events. Um, we are still obviously going through this slow-burning pandemic. Uh, I've heard it referred to to as a slow burn. That's a good descriptor because it feels like we've been going through it for a long time. But in actuality, it's only been, a, you know, I guess two months, you know, and uh, it just feels like much longer, you know, and so... Um, but we're seeing consistently the numbers just keep going up daily. You know, we're, we're over 1.1 million cases in the United States that are, that have been identified, you know, and, uh, approaching 70,000 deaths. And that's, those are significant numbers. Um, we actually have had more deaths uh, related to the coronavirus than we did in, in the Vietnam war. So, these are definitely a significant number of uh, of cases and deaths occurring due to this. Got a car driving by, so if you hear some car sounds, that's what it is. So, hello, car. Um, that's part of uh, what we go through when we're having to lecture uh, in my outdoor office here. But that's fine. But in any case, um, still, you know, I'm not in panic mode, don't don't need to be panicked, but you still need to consider or be concerned and to be prepared and be careful. Um, They are opening back up some of the states, and that's a good sign, but 
uh, doesn't mean that we need to relax caution. And I, I don't think most people are going to just throw their hands, you know, up and just go back to the way kind of things were before. I think it'll be quite some time before we see uh, large gatherings of people. I may be wrong. You know, I was planning to go to a concert this summer. I'm glad I didn't buy the seats already, but uh, normally when we go to a concert, it's pretty packed. You know, you're talking, you know, 20,000 people packed into a a small space, it seems like. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't see that kind of stuff happening, you know, this summer, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Um, Other things, let's see. What have you guys been watching on Netflix or Hulu? Anything been going, anything good to watch? Taking a water break. One second. Ah, good water. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen anything really good. I started watching Ozark. Um, several people had recommended that to me and they said, oh, you, you'll really like it. If you liked Breaking Bad, you'll like this. Um, it's got a lot of commonalities between, um, Ozark and Breaking Bad. It's basically about an accountant who ends up working for a drug cartel. And, um, with that, you know, bad things happen as they do in these stories. And it just creates uh, a lot of tension and drama. And so Ozark has three seasons on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. Uh, especially if you liked Breaking Bad or have seen that, that's, that's also on Netflix, I believe. If you haven't seen Breaking Bad, start there first. Really good. Um, I'm trying to think anything else I've seen recently. Um, I don't think I've really watched any movies per se, like that, that are notable. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything that really just stands out, you know, but in any case, um, let me jump into chapter 16 and go ahead and get that conversation going. We are talking about managerial communication, and it's such an important aspect of what managers do. Um, and, you know, if you have poor communication skills, it doesn't matter how good you are at everything else. You can be extremely organized. You can be extremely intelligent. You know, you could have amazing credentials, amazing skills, but without communication, I mean, that's really going to hamper a manager's ability to make use of those other skills. And so the learning outcomes for this chapter are to understand and describe the communication process, know the types of communication that occur in organizations, understand how power, status, purpose, and interpersonal skill affects communication in organizations, describe how corporate reputations are defined and how an organization communicates to all of its stakeholders, know why, Talking, listening, reading, and writing are vital to managing effectively. And just to get on my soapbox for a minute, every semester that I teach, or I think every semester I've taught, I'm pretty sure for the past five years, uh, I have asked a set of questions at the beginning of my seated classes. And you guys should know what I'm talking about. I ask, you know, what's your name? Or what's your word that describes you, Right and your name tell me a movie or tv show that you like to watch tell me a book that you like to read um talk to me about what your major is what type of job you have and talk to me about your goals and so one of those questions asks you to describe what you like to read and my grand my grandmother was an educator my mother was an educator and here i am third generation 
educator, and my grandmother had taught me, she said that doesn't matter what you read as long as you're reading. Just keep reading. Read broadly. Read uh, many different types of topics and different types of books. But reading is, is so important. It's so foundational and fundamental to education. Another car. Hello. But um, with reading, as you read, you improve your vocabulary uh, tremendously. What, what ends up happening is you discover new words. You learn through word association what words mean, but you I look up a lot of words. In fact, I define a word, or I look up a word probably daily or every other day. I'll, I'll Google define this, whatever that word is, because there's so many words in the English language. And even though I think I might understand what a word means, um, I'll, I'll look up a word sometimes to clarify my understanding to make sure I'm not describing it incorrectly you know like some people use ironic incorrectly it's things like that you know i looked up the word muster today m-u-s-t-e-r do you know what muster means i thought i knew what it meant and i looked it up just to confirm you know what i thought it meant it means to assemble it means to gather your things together and assemble or or come together uh, as a unit and so muster it's a military term, uh, and so I, I heard it and I looked it up just to, you know, confirm that I know what it means. And now I've got that word in my lexicon. I know what that means, and I could use it at some point, you know. Um, and so reading is so important. And the reason I'm kind of harping on this at this moment is because reading is so important to the communication process. If you cannot read um, well, if you read at uh, a 7th grade or 8th grade level, it will reflect in your speech and it will reflect in your writing. And so as you challenge yourself with uh, more and more uh, diverse readings and more difficult readings, it will actually improve your comprehension and improve your, your capacity to read. And so... I really just think that is, if I could just advise people to do one thing from an educational standpoint, it would be to read books uh, because uh, that will really just do so much for you from a communication standpoint, from a comprehension standpoint, from a knowledge base standpoint. It covers so many bases. And outside of that, reading is actually, uh, it's actually a, a way to unplug it's a way to rest your brain. It relaxes you. Um, it it gets your imagination working. It's good exercise for your brain. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now called Paper Girls. It's actually a graphic novel. It's a hardback edition. It's about 400 pages. I just got it in the mail yesterday. Or is it yesterday or day before yesterday? I guess it's Saturday. And, um, yeah, I started reading it. I'm probably maybe a fifth of the way, maybe a fourth of the way through it. Um, it's pretty good, you know, and so, uh, but aside from that, I downloaded the Game of Thrones, there's a car cranking in the distance, but I downloaded Game of Thrones, uh, book one, um, I've seen the show, but I wanted to read some of that, so I dug into that and started reading that, I'm always perpetually reading something Tolkien, I am a very big Tolkien fan, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, The Silmarillion, and I've got a pretty decent token collection of books in my office. 
So I'm always uh, adding to that collection, you know, slowly but surely. Um, but yeah, you, if people that I talk to, and I'm going to get off this in a second, but people that I talk to or students that I talk to that don't like to read, my response to that is that they just hadn't found their book yet. You know, once you find that one book that really uh, kind of changes your life, that speaks to your soul, uh, it's, it inspires you, it, it means it has an emotional connection to you. Once you find that book, then you become a more uh, vibrant reader, a more involved reader. So, all right, I'm going to get off that soapbox, but I appreciate your attention while I talked about reading and how incredibly important it is to the communication process and tie that back into managerial communications. Let's go ahead and do that. Um, and so the communication prospect, I'm sorry, process is really a system and it's, it happens so quickly. We don't think about it. We don't really give thought to how we communicate, but if you take the time, another car coming by, hello. If we give time to think about how we communicate, will actually improve our communication process. Because what happens if you slow it down is that your brain decides it, it decides what message it wants to encode and transmit. And so it is basically encoding language, body language, paralanguage, uh, written communication, digital communication. It's deciding those various forms of communication and encoding that in a way that it can transmit it to you across a medium. And that medium can be uh, all different types of things that I just mentioned. It could be physical space. It could be uh, audio. You're listening to this podcast right now. It could be visual through body language and other visual communications. Um, And so once the brain does that, um, you send that message out and then the receiver actually will get that message and decode it. And the decoding process is basically a understanding of what is being sent out. Um, and so another car coming by, hello. And so when the receiver receives that information, they process it through critical thinking and decoding of the message in order to seek understanding of what is being communicated. And then that communication creates some type of effect. Uh, If we're doing a educational lecture like we're doing now, that effect is learning. And so I encode a message, whether I tell a story or I Uh, communicate information to you through this medium of a podcast, you receive it. And as you listen to it, you critically think about what's being heard. You process it through your brain and the understanding that comes out of it and, and what you dedicate to memory. That's the effect of this conversation, this, this communication that's happening right now. All the other things that are happening in the environment are considered noise so when you hear those cars drive by or you hear my kids, you know, playing in the background or whatever it may be, or crickets, those aspects of the communication prospects are noise and they really do seek to distract from the message. You know, you ever been in a lecture or in some type of presentation and uh, there's somebody walks in right in the middle of it, You're, you know, and the door opens and everybody kind of glances over to that door. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen that happen. 
And so uh, once, once that occurs, that's really a distraction, right? It breaks the communication channel for a moment. And then we have to re-engage and, and, and get that message going again. And so the next aspect, uh, there's some different types of communication the book talks about. One of those is oral communication, which is speaking. Written communication, there's a lot of different ways we, we, we provide writing uh, or written communication through letters, emails, books, um, pamphlets, flyers, you name it. Just all different types of, of uh, material and media that results from written communication. The number one most in i don't know if i mean most important might be not not be the correct thing to say but probably the the i know it's the number one used medium of communication is nonverbal so what does that mean nonverbal communication being the number one used nonverbal communication is happening all the time the way somebody looks at somebody the way their body position is, their body language. If somebody's sitting back, laying back with their arms crossed, looking at you as you lecture, what 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 message does that send? Or if somebody's hunched over, staring at their phone and at their desk while you're lecturing, what language, what body language is that giving off? If somebody is sitting straight up with a pen in their hand, with a notebook. Uh, beneath the pen and they're looking right at you then looking down at the pen and looking right back up at you what body language is being what language is being communicated what message is that body language giving off and so nonverbal is extremely powerful it's happening constantly 24 7 it's running unless you're sleeping or not engaged in any type of communication but if you're around people at all you are communicating through a some type of body language and so um another uh, thing to consider are social influences so like uh, if you're in a workplace the levels of communication depending on if you have a subordinate or a lateral co-worker or supervisor those are different aspects uh, another important thing is perception um you can tell the same message to 10 people and somebody could hear something that seems threatening to them, and another person could hear something that seems pleasant. And it's, it's all about that individual perception. And I've experienced this. I've given lectures in the classroom where, like, one student just thought that something I said wasn't, you know, just wasn't, didn't hit them right. And they just didn't, they didn't agree with what I said, and it just kind of rubbed them the wrong way. And so... Um, that's because each individual has different perceptions. Even where you physically are in the room shifts your perception a little bit. And so a lot of different uh, aspects when it comes to communication. Um, Another thing to consider are interpersonal roles. There's a bunch of different roles that come into play when we talk about communications. You've got people like uh, interpersonal roles like figureheads. What is a figurehead or who is a figurehead in an organization? Any ideas? A figurehead is someone who uh, basically is uh, a, a face of a company. Um, that individual is there to basically represent the interests of the company and to be a, a PR person for the company. Um, and so, let's see, there's also de- decisional roles, people that are there to make decisions 
for the company and uh, uh, like things like managers, you know, those are those are different types of roles that come into play. All right. And so um, communication and reputation. This is uh, coming straight from the book. It talks about how important it is for people in key positions of leadership within organizations to be able to communicate in a way that reflects well for the organization. Um, you know, I've been watching um, quite a bit of the news lately. <laughs> obviously, we, I think we, we all watch some, but I like to watch the business news, obviously, because I am um, a business instructor and it interests me and I want to be able to talk, to talk about these, uh, I guess, the latest trends and, and, and topics in business. And the CEO of McDonald's has been on um, the news recently and talking about just challenges with the organization and talking about um, opportunities for the organization and things like that. And it's really interesting to hear a well-polished CEO kind of opine about where the company is and where it's going because what they do is – they they have they, it's just a it's almost a pleasure to watch them talk because they frame everything in a positive light. You know they, they'll have a reporter asking them a question that might be somewhat negative or challenging uh, or on a topic that the CEO might not want to talk about, and they will reframe that question in a positive light and um, continue to put forward a good face for the company and. That's really what a figurehead does and really what um, managers do to manage the corporate reputation. And so um, it's always important to be respectful, but try to keep things on a positive note because um, things can get negative really quickly. And as a manager, as a leader, someone in in a leadership position, uh, people are going to look to you for for leadership roles. They're going to look to you for... Uh, to make sure that everything's going to be okay. All right, so the last part of the uh, lecture on, on this chapter discusses channels. And so channels are, think about, you know, when we change the channel on the television, something different comes on. There's different types of communication channels that we have too. We have one-on-one conversations, telephone conversations, video teleconferencing, presentations to small groups, public speaking to larger audiences, and, and different types of writing. Um, communication is invention. So we keep coming up with new ways to communicate. I was on my first Zoom meeting this past uh, month, and although I've been on conference calls before, I don't know if I've ever participated in a Zoom meeting where I could see everybody else and they could see me. And so um, that's really fascinating and interesting. All right. So that does wrap up our discussion on Chapter 16. And if you've heard my kids playing in the background, that's that's I apologize, but that's just uh, what kids do sometimes. So, All right, guys. I appreciate your time and attention. If you need anything at all or have any questions or uh, com- comments, please send me an email, and I'll be back in touch again soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast. I hope you got something out of it and learned something that you can use in the world and share with others. If you did like it, please indicate so by liking, sharing, or going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Until next time, I wish you well.
Hey everybody, it's your favorite instructor, and today we have a special guest. We're calling him right now. Let's see if he picks up. Uh, we wanted to uh, invite some special guests on for our 100th anniversary, or 100th episode. Uh, there we go. He's ringing. Hello. Billy. Yes, sir. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. You are being recorded on the 100th episode of the What We Talked About in Class podcast. Okay. Good deal. Excellent. I wanted to have some special guests on for this uh, 100th episode spectacular, and believe it or not, you were the one of the first people to come to mind. Wow. Wow. I'm, I know. I'm yeah. privileged. I mean, it's yeah. a huge honor. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, of all the accolades you've ever earned, to earn a spot <laughs> on the 100th episode of this podcast, I mean, that's that's tremendous, yeah. man. Tremendous. Well, I've been waiting for this call my whole life, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Everything that you've ever done has brought you to here. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly right. Well, how, how have you been doing, sir? I've been doing okay. Um, staying isolated and um, keeping to myself. Uh, and that's about it. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Absolutely. Good. Good. So, okay. um, you know, everything that happens to us, there's, there's, I think there's good and bad that comes from it. And so, since the coronavirus has been a hot topic lately, what, what do you think some good things will have come from this? Okay. Um, well, um, hang on just a second because I got something I want to say about it. Go that's for it. Okay. Okay. It's all yours. Um, because, you know, I hear a lot of people, um, you know, we can talk about the bad things, you know, the the good things, you know, that have come of it, and which um, there are several. But, you know, what, I, what I'm concerned about this is what it has brought out in our society as far as what our weaknesses are um, as an entire society. As it goes, whether you're talking, you know, democracy or socialism, it doesn't matter. It's um, it has exposed several things from our society that I that I've been pondering lately. Uh, can I give you one example? Yeah, please. Okay, so what you're seeing is one of the wealthiest, geographically advantaged, productive capitalist societies in this world flounder and fail in its most basic test, taking care of its people. Now you got to think about this: corporations have, for the past four years, have been on the bull market. It only took days for them to need a bailout from the government um, to to keep themselves. You know, when they've been recording record profits uh, for the past several years, um, and then all of a sudden, within a week, we either have to you know give more money or they're going to belly up, which shows that. Even a capitalist society in a very strong bull market is susceptible um, to just a minor, and I'm not going to say that this COVID-19 is minor, but to a um, an event that only within days you know needs to be bailed out. Um, right. And it, you know, where you think sustainability uh, after having years and years of record profits would be able to sustain for at least. Uh, a period of time. Well, you know? to, to speak to what you just said and not to interrupt, but you know, they, they always teach us or they, you hear this saying that you should have three to six months of expenses saved up, you know, and I saw a survey today. They, they polled a bunch of people and less than half had three months of expenses. And you know, that's just for people in households, 
But what about corporations? I mean, you would think these these big corporations would have just bukus and stockpiles of cash. But as it turns out, what they were doing with that money is buying back stock and enriching themselves and not preparing for a worst-case scenario. Go ahead. Yeah, you're exactly correct there. And it, and this has really exposed that susceptibility to our markets. Um, and that's concerning, you know, um, uh, that even the, the strongest economy, and I would agree, is what the strongest economy in the world, um, to, you know, a booming economy, and should survive the modest of challenges. Um, but it's all about market dissonance and shortages in stores. Even farmers and producers destroy unused crops and products. So this crisis is about huge corporations needing an emergency bailout within days of the longest bull market in our history. Well, you know, from a personal standpoint, like I'm glad you're talking about this, and this leads into a greater, yeah, bigger conversation. But from a personal standpoint, and on this note, what it's taught me is the value of cash. Um, as somebody that's talked about investing and learned about and read about uh, investing for a long time now, I talk to my students about you know having budgets and about uh, putting money in the stock market and investing in the future. But all that's good and fine. But what if you need cash? You know, what if you need uh, liquidity right now to sustain yourself for three to six months or more? And so, I've actually worked to increase my cash position in the short term just because of the uncertainty. And so, yeah, go, ahead, go ahead, though. Good, good conversation. Yeah. Points. And what if this actually paralleled a, a computer virus um, that took down, you know, a lot of our computer systems? You know, uh, the vulnerability that we have um, is, is astonishing to me that we're that vulnerable. You know, it even showed our vulnerability in our healthcare system, you know, being ill-equipped to provide basic health care. Right. Uh, and at the same time, they also posted profit, record profits. Um, but due to antiquated systems, you know, uh, it, it was not functional for a disruption or an overdrive or, you know, um, an emergency, something that, that occurred unexpectedly. Right. I, you know, I, good. And that's what it's done for me is made me think more of, you know, I, I've never was a huge prepper, and I know, you know, I, I do prep some things, and I, you know, I prepare myself, but not to the extent where um, that I think we should. Sometimes um, it, it's a lot more; it can be more dire than what it is. We haven't even seen the the um, rationing of food yet, which they are starting that in some places. They're rationing the amount of meat you can purchase. It. Um, right. it Kroger's and some other stores, you know, that goes statewide. Um, we're going to, it's going to be interesting. It really does put in perspective this lesson I learned in kindergarten about needs versus wants and what's really important to you, you know, um, because we, you know, my dad and I've talked a lot about this. And one of the things that we've talked about is that uh, one of the good things that he thinks is coming out of this is that hopefully people will slow down and refocus on what's really important in life, you know, because like with, with the coronavirus, one of the main things that has stood out to me is this idea of comorbidities. So if you're obese or have another health condition, and I have some comorbidities myself, uh, then you're at a greater risk. And so it really shines a light on how important your health is, you know? Yeah. So, and, and even that other 
people are willing to risk your health for their well-being. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, once we get out of this, and I think we will get out of it at some point, it might take years uh, for us to have some type of semblance of what life was before all this. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's going to be some good takeaways for people that are willing to pay attention and, and actually learn from these spotlights that you're talking about because it has shined some light on the need to prepare, the need to uh, have personal sovereignty and personal responsibility for your health, your well-being, your financial well-being, your family's uh, well-being with regards to food preparation, um, medicine preparation, um, and emergency supplies in general. So there's yeah. a lot, a lot of good takeaways from this. But I think another good one is just a a refocus or emphasis on simplicity in life because being home this this long period. I've spent a lot of time outdoors and just having time to think and breathe fresh air. And that's something that I wasn't doing on a daily basis before where I would run to work and then run to get the kids and then run to the grocery store and, you know, cook supper. And then before you know it, you know, it's time to go do some last minute stuff. And it's just a a rat race type stuff. Yeah, well, you're a busy busy bee. Yeah, yeah. And... (laughs) Um, I don't think that humans were designed to do that, really. You know, I think yeah. uh, we were designed to live simply. But go ahead. Yeah, I think it's a time of reflection. And, and, and a good word we may want to explore is solvency. Okay. Uh, to, um, you know, to understand our vulnerability as well as society's vulnerability. And, and like you said, to simplify and the solvency one way you can do that is really simplify things in your life right. to where it doesn't take a lot to, you don't leave the biggest, a bigger imprint or a, a footprint. Um, and you're able to, um, sustain more at your control than somebody else's control. And I think that solvency is being able to, um, be on your own, to, to um, operate without the influence or, necessity of others yeah well is a good word and, and sovereignty where yeah. you are your own kingdom you know like yes yeah and, but you have a solvent <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> well either way because solvency if you're insolvent that means you're deficient you don't have what you need and if but if you're if you have this idea of personal responsibility personal sovereignty i'm, I'm going to be the master of my own domain you know so to speak right. Uh, Seinfeld reference, but, <laughs> but yeah, maybe, maybe some, uh, some of the audience will get that, but, um, yeah, but yeah it's been a while since we watched Seinfeld by the way. So, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. um, but yeah, I think there are going to be some, some other, some good lessons learned from this. So yeah. what, what else do you think might be a lesson learned or a good takeaway? Um, I think, um, well, I don't think lessons are done yet, to be quite honest. Right. I think we still have some more things to learn with this. Um, what it, um, um, and, I, and I agree with what your dad says. You know, it's, I think it's, we, we learn to take time um, during this time to do something for us. Um, learn, you know, um, I heard what your regimen was, you know, that you're trying to write so much a day, right. do so much of this a day. And, I, and I've thought about that a lot and what I want to do. 
and um, come Friday, I'm going to be free to exactly set the schedule that I want. Yeah. And and it's to uh, take time for myself. Like uh, just an example, um, you have a regiment where I know I get up in the morning and I'll eat. Well, after I eat, then probably what I'll do is um, uh, either ride a little bit or learn a song or write a song. Right. Um, so, so I want to incorporate my new things. I also want to maybe take this time to learn a language. Yeah. To, to maybe learn Spanish. Um, uh, to do something to enhance myself, um, begin an exercise routine that I can do um, and, and things like that. Um, and, and just because what this shows us is that we were thrown into a big change machine. I mean, it was like almost overnight, our world changed. And our resilience kind of shines through with that. You know, we, we resist change most of our time, our life. We, we keep things so routine because it's familiar to us. But change is something we've always fought, fought through our life. And, um, or it's so uncomfortable to change. Well, we've been into, thrown into a big change machine. And the only thing, you know, and we don't even know what's going to happen next week or the week after. Um, each week, is um has been a surprise of, of information and um so i think that we're in this mode for change um one good thing to come out of it is that we're we're going to change and hopefully for the better the more mankind hum, humankind will come out and it's going to have to because we ought to help each other to get through this um the people that don't have what they need um it's really fixing to get pretty bad for some people i think right and, um, good. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I have a saying that, and I stole it from somewhere. I don't know where I stole this from, but it's um, it's that people don't care until it affects them personally. Well, this event pretty much affects everybody on Earth in some way, whether it's a disruption of some type of service or disruption of some type of uh, good or or merchandise that they once wanted and or they they like access to that they're not getting. So, like if you used to go to a bar once a week, that's that's a disruption. Or going to a restaurant or going to a church service or whatever it may be. You know, um, uh, a store that's now closed. Uh, or if you're a worker that's been laid off or furloughed. I mean, there's there's just a tremendous amount of impact. Not to mention the people that are actually suffering from the disease. And so. Uh, yeah, this idea that people don't change until it affects them personally or they don't care until it affects them personally. This is one of those rare events in humanity uh, that it actually hits everybody, you know, and it affects everybody. And, you know, this whole time, I've actually had some, I think I've been gaslighting myself a little bit over the past two months because, you know, I started early kind of sounding the alarm about this. Um, I wasn't super early, but it was the end of February before things really started to escalate. And I started sending emails and telling people, you know, this is a serious thing. You need to take it seriously. You need to prep. And, you know, I started, I was thinking maybe some people think I'm crazy or think that, you know, I'm nuts for, for even having this position. And even to this day, two months into it and 
with as many cases as we have and deaths that we have, I still question, you know, is is this the right thing for me to be doing? Because some people are taking the position, this is nothing, it doesn't bother me, it doesn't affect me. And, you know, it's really a, a bizarre thing to see, to mm-hmm. witness this sociocultural thing happening because I ran into somebody yesterday out in public that was just telling me that this this don't bother me, it doesn't affect me, and had a very nonchalant attitude about the whole thing. And I'm thinking, wow, how can you can can you have that opinion when it's disrupted so much? I mean, we've got 30 million people plus on unemployment now. And so it's uh, there's there's major impacts to our, our society and our culture. And so, yeah, I, I just uh, I think that, like I said, people don't care until it affects them personally. There's just yeah. a tremendous amount of effect going on right now. You're exactly right. And that's going to have its own uh, future ramifications. Um, you're going to have people that are probably going to live as a hermit for the remainder of their life. Right. Because of this. Um, because they're going to be sitting at home waiting for everything to become normal. And there is no definition of normal now. Um, it won't, it's not going to happen one day. It's going to happen over a long period of time. And it's not, you're not going to feel the sense, well, wow, everything's back to normal. We will never feel that. Um, that's one thing that I learned over a, a flood, a tragedy, um, that was, um, impacted me for months. And uh, I was always waiting for everything to be go back to normal. And um, finally, a, a boss of mine woke me up and said, you know, uh, Bill, it's time to take your boots off from cleaning up this flood and put your jacket and tie back on. It's time to go back, you know. And it was like, it hit me so hard. Um, thank God he was a therapist. Um, he, gotta, he, he helped me through it because I was waiting for normalcy to occur. Right. And it was never going to occur. And I think we're going to have a lot of people that don't have a lot of certain coping skills um, and are not going to be equipped to really process when we go back to normal or when things will be normal. So this will impact the way of life for most of us that are alive, at least for the rest of our lives, when it comes to shaking hands, when it comes to uh, how we greet people, hug people, um, it's going to be a totally different society out there. Wow. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's so weird that you mentioned that because, you know, I actually, I was thinking about this week, uh, I heard a news anchor say that they were talking to somebody and said, you're, you just made my list of people I want to hug when this is over. <laughs> and it's so crazy that some things you take for granted, you don't really think about, uh, until you take it away. It's, it's kind of like one of these, there's a there's a thing I teach in class about um, uh, Hertzberg's hygiene factors. These are things that that are actually comforting to us. But if you take them away, uh, they, we don't we don't notice them that they're comforting unless you take them away. Then they're they realize they're lost. You know, like air conditioner in a building. We 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 recognize and appreciate the comfort, but we really don't think about it. But if the air conditioner's off, you know, it's like it's a major problem. But this idea of human contacts, you know, like. I was not a big handshaker to begin with, but now I kind of miss the idea of being able to do that. And, and this, and the idea of hugging people, I'm a hugger. I love to hug people. And I feel I've, I've just had this thing that happened probably two or three weeks into this. Uh, and I was like, man, you know, I miss being able to hug friends and family. You know, uh, I've seen my parents, 
um, uh, you know, in close proximity since this has been going on. But I've purposely avoided hugging my parents. Yeah. Um, and I went to see my grandmother. Um, I stayed away from her just to check on her. And I didn't hug her, didn't get close to her. And she's suffering from dementia. And I had to explain to her several times that, you know, the reason I'm not hugging you is because there's this virus going around, could create some problems. And so we're trying to social distance. And she she got it, but she didn't get it, you know. And it was painful to not be able to hug her, you know. It really uh, affected me. I was like, man, you know, I really, that was the first time I really had like an emotional pain because of not being able to hug somebody. Yeah. And I miss being that contact. I miss being able to, yeah. yeah even like uh, in church, we have this thing, the, the passing of the peace where we go out and greet other parishioners and, you know, not, not really my favorite. I'm not very social, but uh, it would be nice to be able to do that now and, 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 and greet people and yeah. socialize a little bit. So there are things that I, I did take for granted. Yeah. I miss now. And one thing this has brought to me was that, um, you know, my biggest fear these days is not necessarily getting the virus, right? But di- but dying alone. Oh man! Uh, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I've heard, you know, hearing the stories uh, bring tears to your eyes, and um, you know, when you have families that are so close, and um, and people are are dying by themselves without family, without anybody, yeah, um, is 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 got to be heartbreaking you know um thank god you know i mean i, I see my mother once a week but we keep six feet apart right. we wear masks um and god forbid i would ever bring anything over there right um, um but you know she's a hugger and a kisser and um it, it's it's sad it's it a, sad when you leave somebody yeah. now it's not know. you know um, you know we can tell each other we love each other but uh, yeah you're right you don't realize until it's gone you know, uh, yeah, it's you know, and I hope we can, I hope we can find a vaccine because, um, you know, I want to be able to, uh, just be able to be in contact with other human beings, you know, that are yeah. not my family, you know, and, uh, yeah. and, and I think uh, there's hope there because you have a lot of people scrambling to get a vaccine together. Right. It's just not you know, uh, one or two groups. It's a it's a conglomerate of. I thought it was something uh, like 45, 45 something like that, different yeah. groups. I, that, I may be wrong on that, but it seems like there was a large number like that, all working towards the same goal. Yeah. So you know, between the you know the ability, we should you know hopefully we can we can get a wrangle on this thing. Yeah. And, uh, well, things change, you know, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know we're just going to keep riding this wave and hopefully get through it, you know. But uh, let's change let's change tunes a little bit and talk about what. What other positive things have you been doing that lately? You know, like um, I like you mentioned, I've been doing a lot of writing. I've actually um, made a commitment to write every single day, and I've probably had maybe three days where I have I've been so tired at the end of the night that I actually would take a few notes and then write it the next morning. But um, I've if I miss a writing appointment with myself, I make it up the next morning. But pretty consistently, every night around. 11 midnight is when I start right. And I'm on average, I've been getting about 800 words a night. And so, so when, is the, when is the novel coming out? Well, you know, uh, one can hope, but you know, <laughs> if I write something, I think it's okay. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then I think, well, maybe I could start submitting letters to see if uh, a publisher would be interested. Cause that's the goal is I really right. would love to actually get a real legitimate publisher 
on board to, to put out a book. But, you know, with anything that you do in life, you worry that people are going to judge you and sure. look, look down on you and think it's crap. But I got to tell you, uh, it's, it's like this with anything that anybody does. You know, you could be the world's best anything and you still have doubt that you're of your abilities. There's actually, we've talked about this. There's this actually, uh, this psychological state called the Crunning, uh, Dunning Kruger effect. Have you heard of this? Right. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's where intelligent people are full of doubt and ignorant people are full of confidence. And yeah. the intelligent people, they look at things and think about, uh, all the things that could go wrong and all right. the possible possibilities of it not working. Whereas ignorant people only see one or two paths and they feel like, Hey, you know, 50, 50, I can make it, you know, and they go for it. So yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, like C3PO and star Wars saying there's like 800, <laughs> 800 million to one shot shot, you know, so <laughs> he's, 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 he's burnt down with the Dunning Kruger effect, you know, so <laughs> But yeah, you know, I want to, one of my life goals was to get a novel published or a book published through a legitimate publisher, not independently published, but I'm going to get it edited, submit some, uh, I'd like to submit, you know, 10, 20, 30 letters of interest or inquiry to see if I can get a an interest. And then if it doesn't work, you know, I would eventually self-publish it, but um, we'll see, you know, you just got to go for it and see what happens, man. That's cool. Would you, uh, can you elaborate on any topic that you're working on? Yeah, um, I'm working on a, a nonfiction personal account of this pandemic because yeah. it's, um, it's, 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 it occurs to me that at, at the end of this, there's going to be a lot of writing about events and about, um, newsworthy topics and political topics, but, there will be some personal accounts, but I don't think there'll be as many. I think there'll be a lot of books that talk, focus on timelines and focus on yeah. politics and focus on, uh, you know, like hospitals and stuff. And uh, there will be some accounts, but you're seeing the stuff now on YouTube where nurses and doctors are going to make video blogs about their day-to-day right. -day experiences. And so I started working on this, um, let's see, around March... It's around March seventeenth or so, and I, I, I like I started with that and um, basically wanted to just get down everything in my mind that had occurred to that point as a right. as a starting point, and then day to day after that, I just talk about my life in the context of this virus and how my life has been affected, but also the stories that I'm hearing the 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 ideologies the perceptions and i talk about this question of you know is this as serious as it seems to be or is this really just not that big of a deal and it's 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 it's, it's such a weird place because it's not like it's not a fast moving emergency it's very much a slow burn but every day lately the case count goes up by 20, 30,000 cases and the death toll goes up by one to 2000 in the United States alone. And so that's, you know, we're over 70,000 cases or uh, deaths now and over getting close to 1.2 million cases. So, I mean, it's a legitimate, you know, and, uh, I think the cases are going to continue to rise over time, yeah. but it's, well, it's just growing such about, it's growing about, it's growing about 10,000 people per week. Yeah. Maybe seven days. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, I mean, you know, that's, it's a legitimate thing, but it's such a slow moving storm 
that it's, it's just hard to figure. It really is. It's unlike anything I've ever been through before. Yeah. And so, cause if you drive down the road and go into town, like you can walk into a store and you'll see people with masks, but a lot of people are just pretending like this is just another day and it's not really that much has changed. But uh, then you hear about these hot spots like uh, nursing homes and factories and uh, anywhere where there's large gatherings of people, uh, meat processing plants, uh, things like that. And it's, you know, cruise ships, really alarming, you know, when you see that like a Tyson food meat processing plant had 58% of its employees test positive, you know. So the really the big question that's been on my mind has been uh, what are they going to do with schools in the fall? That's really the only thing that really has just been kind of a a void in my mind because I have no idea how they're going to do it. Uh, And, I mean, if if we're going to have a second wave, quote, unquote, in the fall, I mean, I just – I worry that, you know, I've got three kids in, in elementary school. Well, Jack's not there yet, but two kids in elementary school. And, uh, you know, it concerns me that they could go into a, a hot spot and then bring it home to us and then take it to grandma and grandpa. And that's that's a real problem. So I'm waiting to see how they're going to gonna handle that for the fall. But uh, somehow we got back to the coronavirus and we were talking about riding the positive. That's okay. But aside from riding every day, um, I've tried to exercise every day and do some walking. Um, yesterday I had a potato drop and I spent <clears throat> six hours in a parking lot with 40,000 pounds of potatoes and we got rid of about 95% of it, but we still had some left and trying to get rid of that last little bit. But we were doing that for a food, uh, food agency. And, uh, so that was a workout too. But, um, aside from that, I've been watching some TV and movies, not a whole lot, you know, doing a little Netflix, but, and then aside from that, just trying to feed my kids every day as far as making sure we, I've got supper cooking or something and, uh, you know, cause, uh, they, they continuously eat every day. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you questions. Did Good. you see the, um, uh, the movie, um, once upon a time in Hollywood? Did we talk about uh, that? I did see it and it, and okay. it. I don't know if we talked about it, but it it was a slow burn for me too because um, it really faked me out. And I won't do any spoilers, but the whole time I'm thinking I'm watching a movie with DiCaprio as the lead and Brad Pitt is the the supporting actor, which is the case. But as it turns out, Brad Pitt is the star. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and it totally just caught me off guard because I didn't realize, and it it was kind of a a weird blend of drama, suspense, and comedy because, like, to me, the DiCaprio character was really a joke. He was a really a Hollywood stereotype drama king, basically, you know, and full of doubt. Once again, Dunning-Kruger on him. He was just constantly, you know, uh, a prima donna and worried about his next gig and worried about his celebrity. And Brad Pitt wasn't worried about any of that stuff. You know, he was just a smooth operator and really was the the lead role. You know, he really stole the show. And I think that was the intent of the movie, you know, to show that there's all this stuff in the background that the audience doesn't see, but that's really interesting drama, you know. Yeah, yeah, who has the most colorful life is the guy, the existential guy. Right, yeah. Because he was a great, great character and great portrayal. Speaking of Brad Pitt, did you see him do Dr. Fauci on SNL? Yeah. Oh man, that was perfect. It was great. He's not only that; he's a good actor. So. Yeah, he really. It was. It was excellent. And you know, um, 
a lot of folks don't watch SNL anymore or I hear them talking junk, but it's hit and miss. You know, some weeks it's not yeah. good, but some weeks they really can nail it. And uh, I think the yeah. first week they started doing the comedy from home, it was just okay. Yeah. But now I think they're getting the hang of it, and it's yeah. it's really working for me lately. So I think you put it in the big context. I had a buddy on Facebook that said, you know, um, you know, why do they let Stephen Colbert and you know all the I'm going to say liberal, you know, comedians, you know, uh, go on the air. And I wrote there, it's comedy, you know. Don't take it so seriously. No matter who the president was, they'd be making fun of him. Yeah, I mean, my whole life, um, the earliest president I remember was Reagan. And I don't remember them making fun of Reagan, really, because I was too young. But from, from, well, from Reagan, though, you had Bush Sr., and Dana Carvey, you know, picked on him and did a great. And then we yeah. had, uh, uh, after we had senior, we had Bill Clinton. And there was uh, Harmon did Bill Clinton, and it was great. And then we had Junior. Will Ferrell did, uh, well, George W., great. And then we had Obama. You know, so they, they picked on every president. And uh, I think, you know, bring, bringing it back up again, I think another takeaway from this coronavirus or pandemic is that, we don't need to take ourselves so seriously, you know, and yeah. uh, we people have been very polarized lately, and at least that's been my experience. Yeah. I know that there's a large chunk of the public that are not polarized, uh, but uh, still, I think we just need to live our lives and not take things so seriously because uh, yeah. some of the things we argue about or some of the things we get been out of shape about, it really is going back to that Don't Sweat the Small Stuff book. I don't know if you ever read that. Yeah. But it's a great book, and I read it probably 20 years ago. Now, it's an older book. And <clears throat> the basic premise is that 97% of the things we worry about and obsess over will not be relevant in a week. And so why should you worry about it today, you know? So, sure. Sure. yeah, I mean, people get bent out of shape about what they're going to have for dinner or, you know, just uh, all these little interactions we have that are really trivial, you know? So, well, um so what are you doing? What's, what, what, I know you've, we talked about it a little bit, but uh, what else you've been watching or doing? I know you've been probably more secluded than I have. I've gone out a little bit more than you have. So, Well, I've got my hour of power in every day. So what is that? The, the Price is Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Grow, so, growing up on that. And, uh, uh, I don't know. For some reason, I just enjoy watching other people have joy in their lives. Yeah, that's great, uh, man. That, that show puts a smile on my face every day. So it is it's um, good. But I enjoyed that. Um, I, I saw. Did you see the interview last night with Stephen King? I did not, but I love Stephen King. Good. Uh, he was on a Stephen Colbert, and um, uh, they they talked about his new book coming out. If it bleeds, oh, I hadn't heard uh, about it. Yeah, and um, but uh, he's he's doing a lot of writing. He yeah. says, you know, in his time um, that he's isolated. You know, and that's the interesting thing is. You know, to see celebrities isolating themselves. Right. Uh, and um, there was, I saw a female last night on Colbert, and it looked like she's been isolated by herself since around March. Mm. You know, and it, and it shows even being a star, um, they get taken away almost immediately. Right. Again, you know, being an athlete. Um, uh, you have to have self-discipline to keep yourself yeah. um, where you're at, um, and that's that's a good thing I think I've learned is to 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 keep up with myself 
And, you know, like I said, I think it's all about growth, the human growth, um, that we're going to grow something out of this. And uh, we're going to be wiser, uh, more compassionate, more um, uh, understanding, empathetic. I think, it goes, I think it's going to heal a lot. And I hope it heals the divisions that we have, like you I said. I hope so, too. Yeah, and um, so, you know, I, I love that you brought this up about celebrities because I think for them – this experience could be humbling for for everyday people. I think this experience could be empowering to yeah. say, I'm going to take charge of my own personal health and wellness, my own, uh, you know, financial health, my, you know, and all these other metrics we talk about. And so I think if a person chooses to, they can really find the positives in yeah. this and grow from it and gain from it. You know, that's, yeah. that's the perspective I'm trying to take. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, I mean, just like that, I think you can go the other way for you. If you're not careful. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, but it's hard for us, you know, uh, I have somebody to talk to every day. Right. And I know you do too. Um, but someone who's by themselves, I think about my mother, you know, she's not left her side, her house. Well, she did the other day. She drove to Raleigh to see her, my sisters, because um, they want to get her out of the house. But that's the first time she left since March. Wow. Um, her house. And um, I think she drove around once. She does, she does walk. She's going back to walking a mile in the neighborhood. That's good. Which is really, really good for her. Um, uh, but it's, uh, but like I said, I think, you know, it really makes, it really makes me kind of melancholy to think about the loneliness and the, um, the isolation part right. of it. You know, you and I both are um, people. People, right? I think we we um, it does something to us when we're in front of people. Um, you know, being in front of a classroom is is a stage. It, it is, uh, and it's um, it's you know, I'd much rather be on stage than actually doing it from a computer. Right. Um, that that personal touch. Uh, when I've said goodbye to my classes, I've had two classes I've ended, and I ended today on my Tuesday Thursday classes. And um, um, excuse me, yesterday, and um, it was really sad. I mean, yeah. it really made, it really made me sad. But that that on the other hand, lets me know that I'm doing what I need to be doing. Um, you know that I care enough about. The, my job it's not a job it's a it's a it's an honor to me it to, is. Be to, to be able to be paid for what i get to do in life um that's such a blessing and wow. um and so it, that's the part very positive for me that um that i know about me and um and uh the feedback i get from my students is you know makes me feel that way that you know uh um, we we kind of went through this together, and that's what we talked about in the last class was how they persevered through this change, and and they put up with me learning. You know, I've learned a lot about Moodle over yeah. the past months, more than I really cared to learn. Right. But it's but it's but it's what I needed, you know, and uh, it's, it's actually a, a very positive thing that occurred because now I know it inside now pretty much, and I feel very confident about. I can do a lot of different things on this computer sure. for, for my online classes that I never could do before. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm going to just piggyback off what you said because I have an emotional commitment to my job and my students too. And um, I had a student call me today earlier to, to just talk for a few minutes. And 
I, I, I was so happy to hear from him. I said, man, I miss you. I miss, I miss being in class with you guys, you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, it, it was just like, I mean, you know, I, I really do miss being in class with my students and, and interacting and every class that I teach, I start out with this pretty much 10 minute monologue. And it's, it's not just a monologue, but it's a back and forth conversation about, I want to hear about their life. I want to hear about their jobs and what they're doing because I learn from them about their, from their experience. You know, they tell me something that's going on at, at a workplace that I've never worked at before. And I can get a sense of how that, how that operation works a little bit just from that interaction, you know? And so my, my students teach me a lot and I feel a deficiency when I'm not able to interact with them the way that I am in the classroom, because there's such a energy that happens where, uh, I know they, they can feel it too. It's just, uh, I think we have a positive and engaging learning environment. So the, the online is fine, but I do miss that. And, um, uh, I hope that the students that I had this semester, I'll be able to see again, at some point on campus, you know, so we'll, we'll see yeah. what happens for the fall, but yeah. uh, really, really good, positive vibes, man. Very good. Yeah. Um, trying to think anything else I want to mention to you before we start uh, closing shop, but uh, I'll tell you something else I miss is our, our, our uh, weekly lunches. Now, let me give you a little, let me give everybody a little background. Bill and I used to work together at University of Mount Olive, and when, uh, it's kind of funny, when I got to University of Mount Olive, I started going to lunch with uh, the guy in the office I work with, a guy named Mike Ammons. And then Mike left, and so another guy and I started going to lunch, John. And before you know it, uh, I ended up somehow getting on Bill's lunch cycle at some point. And I was thinking, man, we should have been going to lunch the whole time. What's up with this? You know, Because Bill is such a great uh, conversationalist and just a super knowledgeable person. And um, when Bill – I originally applied for a job at Wayne – uh, and Bill had been trying for years to get a job at Wayne, uh, and uh, but this was the most recent application came from me, and I got turned down originally for a job with the small business center, and then Bill right behind me applied for his job in the psych department, ended up landing it. And I was like, oh man, you got a job at at Wayne, and I was a little not not crushed, but I was a little sad that I didn't get. A teaching gig. Well, I went on the very same day, the website, and I found that Wayne had an opening in the business department for a, a teacher. And I like did everything I could to land this job. I, 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 I applied, I contacted the chair, went, went out and bought, in fact, Bill and I went out and bought the same suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bought well. I bought the same suit he did because Bill is so lucky that I wanted to have the same suit, and so um, yeah, I went to the interview and I did everything I could to nail the interview. Sent out the emails right after the interview and uh, ended up landing the job. And we've been going to lunch together two to three times a week for the past five years. And at those lunches, we do what we're doing right now. We talk about uh, current events. We talk about. Uh, uh, you know, all the taboo subjects you're not supposed to talk about, like politics and religion. We talk about philosophy and psychology and business. And uh, you've actually made me uh, a more knowledgeable and sharper individual. So much love to you, my friend. Yeah, well, that's a two-way street. Yeah, Bill and I are kind of co-mentors for each other. So he, he's taught me a lot about psychology and really slowed me. Yes, yeah, really slowed me down because uh, uh, Bill can, has this nonchalant way of being therapeutic even in a non-therapy setting. So I appreciate that about you, buddy. Thank you, brother. And, I, and I've learned a lot about business and, and money that, yeah. that really I did not have any knowledge about at all. 
Well, I'm still uh, learning, so I'll keep sharing what I learned. So. <laughs> there we go. Well, I too, so. Well, what, what, since we're getting close to the end of our conversation here, what type of knowledge would you like to leave? This is the final podcast for the academic year. This is episode 100. So what kind of, what kind of knowledge would you like to leave on my students for all time? Well, uh, I'm going to let you know I just turned 59 years old. And this is going to sound like an old man giving a young man advice. But it can't be any truer. Uh, there's two things I would say do. If you're anywhere from 18 to 22 years old, save a little money every day. Um, put $20, $30 a month away. If you, did, if you put $30 a month away for the rest of your life, you're going to be wealthy. The other thing is enjoy every moment of life. Enjoy your kids. If you have young children, enjoy every moment because my kid just turned, is turning 36. And my, when I close my eyes, I think of her as a four-year-old kid in my arms. Um, and the time passes too fast for us. Um, and so slow it down a little bit. Enjoy the moments that you can. Uh, I know when I was 20, 30, and even in the 40s, it was about working two jobs and, and uh, providing for my family, which I still do. But I, I've learned to actually work less and make more over time. And it took a while to get there. It took 50 years to get there. But it's, um, uh, but enjoying, and I think that's what's going to help us in this period of time, is enjoy the moments you're with somebody. Enjoy their presence. Um, appreciate them. And appreciate the people. And learn from people. Don't look at people as adversaries. Learn from them. They have a story. Everybody has a story. And, and it's, it's really, God gave us two ears and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as we talk. And I love listening, and I think that's what Ryan was talking about, to the stories of the students, how they live their lives, um, how, with the road that they're on. Um, that's the great thing about spirituality is even, even no matter how devout of a Christian you are, everybody's on a different path. Everybody has a different relationship, and it, and it evolves and it changes and, and moves around. And um, you should appreciate those moments um, that you're at and appreciate yourself for who you are, the good and the bad. Um, it makes you who you are today. So don't beat yourself up and just stop and smell the roses. That's all I have. Wow. I, you know, I would attempt to come back at you and try to top that, but there's just, I'm not going to even do that, buddy. That was, a, that was just, that was a perfect cap for our conversation. And so what I am going to do is thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me tonight. Uh, I love you, buddy. Love talking to you. And, um, I'm hoping we can do that lunch. Even if, uh, we can't go to a restaurant, we need to get together and sit on that bench that we did, right. few, did about a month ago and just hang out for an hour or two. And well, that's what we have to find. We have to find us a bench or a picnic table or something somewhere that we can claim. You know, if we had our, if we could buy that little acre of land. Yeah. Put a picnic table on it under a tree. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen, buddy. Um, I've actually told some of my students that uh, you and I had a, a partnership agreement and we're saving yeah. our money together. You know, I have some personal yeah. savings. You have some personal savings, but yeah. we, we joined a, a forces and uh, every month we consistently have been putting money towards a common goal of uh, having some type of business and we don't know what it looks like yet. 
but we're we're ahead of uh, where a lot of people you know are yeah, at this point yeah. because we've been saving some money. So. I want you to think about this. We started that partnership exactly one year ago. Exactly. Yeah. It was, I think, today or yesterday, right? Yeah, the, the, the 4th or 5th of May. Yeah. That's excellent, man. Yeah. So happy anniversary to our small there, venture. Yeah. So, that's right. And we are ahead of the game. Yeah, we are. So it's it's going to continue to be a good thing. And, uh, and this is something that I can share with my students. It won't top what you said, but that all relationships in life are built off of trust. And um, whether it's your spouse or your children or your your best friends or a parent or whoever it may be, you've got to have mutual trust and respects and integrity. And I, I stress integrity so much to my students about being honest. And if you make a mistake, own it because you can never get that integrity back if you lose it. And Bill and I have this this trust relationship, and every month month he gives me some money, and I put it in an account, and he trusts me that I'm not gonna run run off to Mexico with his money. So <laughs> I wouldn't get very far, but that's okay, you know. So you might make it to the mountains. Of I, North I, Carolina. Yeah, exactly. I think I made it to like Boone, North Carolina, and realized <laughs> I made a mistake. So yeah. All right, my friend. Well, I appreciate you very much, and uh, I'm going to let you go for now, but I will uh, reach out to you later tonight with a copy of this uh, podcast, okay? Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you, and give my best to your family, and uh, I appreciate your listeners as well for, like I said, listening. All right, my friend. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Take care, man.